Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And uh, behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. You know the difference between a lawyer and a trampoline? You take your shoes off before you jump on a trampoline. <laughs> the only one that laughed is one that's had to real close dealing with lawyers. <laughs> yeah, we're starting this out really good this morning, really good. Amen. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, tempted Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and with thy neighbor as thy, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyers, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? who is my neighbor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray this morning, Father, that your Holy Spirit will move among us. And Father, I just pray that there, you'll build a hedge of protection around every heart in this church, Lord God, that the devil can't come in and take that seed. And Father, give me the words to preach, and it be your words, not mine, Father. And Lord, I just pray that Jesus Christ will be glorified and lifted up in every way. And Father, this morning, Lord, I just pray if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice, can't, that can't think of a time that they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They don't know if they're going to heaven or hell, Lord, as I pray that as we give the invitation later on in this service, that they'll come on down and they'll get saved, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for your words. And praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So going back up, he says, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Go, let's go back up to verse 25 because I want to get the idea so we can understand what's going on here. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He's thinking you have to do something to get eternal life. And that's what they thought in the law. They thought you had to do something to get eternal life. Do you understand this morning that there's only two religions in the world? You can basically take all the religions in the world and you can boil them down into two religions of the world. There's only two. There's one religion that says you've got to do, 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 do. To get eternal life. You've got to do something to get eternal life. And the other religion is only one that's known of by man. And that is it's already been done by Jesus Christ. Amen. You're either going to do it or it's already been done. You're either going to uh, expect to be saved by doing something and try to save yourself. Or you're being saved by something that's done for you at the cross of Calvary and let Christ save you. You're either going to try to save yourself or you're going to let Jesus Christ save you. That's, there's only two. And you can boil them down into something as simple as that. And that's what you can boil them down to. Because look at verse 26. And he said unto him, this is his answer to Jesus. This is uh, Jesus, he says unto him, what is written in the law, how readest thou? Jesus says. And he answers in verse 27. And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Um, I haven't done that. I don't know very many people who could do that. All your heart. You, you can say that you love the, God, the Lord God with all your heart. If you have a real small heart, you might be able to get that done. But let me tell you something. That's, um, that's impossible. Love the, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all, that, all thy mind. Listen, that's a lot of alls. I can't get all those alls. Nobody can get all those alls. And, and Jesus Christ, is, he's giving it to him right there. And it, it, that's the truth. And with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, can you say you've loved every one of your neighbors as yourself? 
Well, that kid, that kid, I say it's a kid, I don't know for sure, but that lawyer, when he reads that and he tells him that, and he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. Yeah, if you just do all that, you'll have enough righteousness to get into the kingdom of God. You can't have that much righteousness. <laughs> Nobody's that righteous. So that kid's thinking and he's, he's convinced himself, well, I love the Lord God with all my heart, which he probably does it, and I love him with all my soul, with all my might, but then he thinks about that neighbor that was making him mad the other day. <laughs> Amen. And he thinks, I, I, okay, well, maybe that's not my neighbor. He lives three, four properties over, so I don't have to call him a neighbor. He's just a fool. You know, he's an idiot. He's not a neighbor. So, you know, you got neighbor that's right next. So that's what his question is. He's trying to justify himself. You see what's going on here? Verse 29. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So the question is, to Jesus, he wants to try to get out of it, see? They want to wrangle out of it. They want to wrangle. That's what people, uh, that people love to argue with me about salvation. And they say, so you're telling me that if somebody's been, been a murderer and, and they've been rotten and, and, and evil and they're laying on their deathbed and they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you're telling me that they'll go to heaven? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. And people get so mad and want to argue with me about that. And I try to tell them, have you read your Bible where they were at the cross of Calvary, when he was at the cross of Calvary, and the repentant, the, there was an unrepentant thief, and there was a repentant thief, and the repentant thief said to the Lord, when he's on the cross dying, they didn't put you on the cross for, for stealing apples. When he's on the cross, and he asked Jesus Christ, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus Christ said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's a man laying on his deathbed, Asking for salvation from Jesus Christ, and he got saved. Amen. Some of y'all, uh, you don't have wicked, uh, you don't have wicked relatives like I do. Some of y'all don't have relatives. Maybe you do, but I've got relatives that I'm waiting, and I've been praying for them, and they're not saved, and I'm praying for them, and I'm hoping maybe when, maybe when God gets them ready to go home with them, and he's, they're laying on their deathbed, maybe they'll take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's my hope. Because it's not about what they're going to do to get to heaven. They can't get off that bed and do anything to get to heaven. If you're in perfect health this morning, you can't do anything. You can't, you can't do anything to get yourself into heaven. It's not by works, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You can't work your way into heaven. It's pretty quiet in here, but you're going to get it because you're not going to work your way into heaven. There's just no way you're going to do it. But he willing to justify himself. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 2, all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. In Proverbs 21, 2, it says, Every way of man is right in his own eyes. If you're honest with yourself, you'll think back, and every man, we try to justify why we do the sins that we do. We try to justify why we do the things we do. And this is what this guy's doing. He's trying to justify why, he's at, why he doesn't love his neighbor with all his heart, with all his mind. And he doesn't love him like himself. But he willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, verse 30, let's read along. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem is a city of peace. Jericho was a city that was cursed. So he's going from Jerusalem, a city of peace, a heavenly city, down to Jericho, a city that's cursed. This man is. And he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. This world... 
listen to me, and some of you young ones in here, you need to really listen to me. If you, let, if you get into this world and you start living in the world, this world's going to leave you stripped and wounded and departed, and they're going to leave you, and they're going to leave you half naked. I lived in this world before I was saved, and this world, all it did to me is it stripped me. It stripped me of all my dignity. It stripped me of all my hope. It stripped me of all my money. It stripped me of all my faith. It's going to strip you of all your shame. It's going to strip you of all your family. The world's good at stripping you down like it did. the thieves did this man right here. When you live out in the world, it's really good about stripping things away from you. It's also going to wound you. It's going to wound your heart. It's going to wound your emotions. It's going to wound your pride. The world's real good at doing this kind of stuff. It's going to strip you. The world's going to wound you. And the world's going to leave you. It says, and departed, leaving him half dead. After they get through using you, then they're going to leave you, and they're going to leave you half dead. They're going to leave you half dead, broke, naked, and needy. That's how the world does you. The world leaves you stripped and wounded and departs you, leaves you, leaving him half naked. Notice this man as he's laying there half naked, stripped and wounded and, 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 and bleeding and beat up. And he, he's just going along and he's, he's just trying to get down to Jericho and he thinks he's just living in the world. And he, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, uh, he didn't leave the house thinking, well, something bad's going to happen to me today. He didn't leave the house saying, well, this is the day that I'm going to get beat up and stripped and naked. Or he would have had, some, he'd have had a plan ahead of him. And that's how life works. Guys, you can't prepare for life. You can't prepare a Sister Alice for that truck coming down and just plowing into Sister Alice and almost killing her couple of months ago you can't prepare for stuff like that you can't prepare for the doctor coming in and giving you some bad news you can't prepare for this stuff it don't matter how much you think you're ready for it you can't prepare for that and here's this man he's half stripped he's half naked he's stripped he's wounded he's departed he never knew that was going to happen to him today he would he, he never knew it but it did and it does and it happens to everybody and you come up and you wake up and you're, you're helpful. I mean, you're helpless and you're needy. There's no, this guy cannot help himself. Verse 31. And by chance, Jesus says, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, you're going to have a priest come by. And then the next guy that's going to come by is a Levite. Look at verse 32. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So you're going to have two people pass by to this guy. This guy's laying there beat up. He's obviously, this guy's in need. And he's laying there and he's bleeding and he's half naked. It's obvious he's in trouble. And a priest walks by. Now, the priest there, he's going to represent the religion of law. It's the religion of law. And he represents a religion of law, which is a religion that can show no mercy or grace. Law can show no mercy or grace. And the, by chance there came down a certain priest that way. He represents the law. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. A priest was a priest of the law. And if you know anything about the law, the law can show no grace. It can show no mercy. And the priest goes by and he saw him, look, he sees him, verse 31, that way, and when he saw him, it's not like he didn't see him, he looks over there and he sees that man, and he sees him, and he sees he needs some help, and it says he just passed by on the other side. He sees him laying there in the street, he sees him hurt, and naked, half naked, and needing some help, and he just says, oh, well, and he walks, walks by on the other side. 
Religion of law is completely indifferent to your needs. The religion of law is completely indifferent to your needs. You understand that the law tells you what you're doing wrong. It don't help you get out of it. Amen. That's the problem with the law. The law says, you've done it. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. It never tells you, I'll show you how to not do it. It just says you shouldn't do it, and it's completely indifferent to you. And just like this priest was, he's completely indifferent to you. And this priest, because he says, there's somebody who needs some help. And I'm supposed to love my neighbor, that's what the law says, but I'm going to justify myself and walk on the other side. And this man justifies himself by saying, that guy probably deserved it. He probably was drunk, he probably came from a bar somewhere, and he got into a fight, that's what you get. If you're doing what I was doing... And following God like I was following God, you wouldn't be in the shape that you're in. That's what the law does. That's what some Christians do. And we ought not be that way. Judging people that are living in sin, judging people that are having trouble with sin, judging people that are living with a problem in their life, be it alcohol or sex or whatever problem they might be having, stealing or not, they can't get themselves to get up to work, whatever problem they're having, we shouldn't be so quick to judge them. We shouldn't be so quick to say, oh, if they would only act like me, they'd be so much better off. That's how this priest's attitude was, and he says that way. He says, and a certain priest went by that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. What can, it's a religion of doing. It's a religion of doing. Religion, my friend, being religious will send you to hell. Being religious will send you to hell. You know, uh, it's kind of disturbing when you, talk, when, you, when you read history. I mean, really getting into reading history, it's very, very disturbing. You know why? You'll read about these great men, and you'll find out how religious they were. I was reading about this man, and it said that he carried a Bible, had this Bible. It was, weather, it was worn. This Bible had obviously been used. And it said that he showed his tattered Bible to some of the deacons and declared that he drew the strength for his great work from the Word of God. That's what this man said. He drew his great strength for his work from the Word of God, and he had a tattered Bible. This man I'm talking about, his name was Adolf Hitler. Very, very religious. But a devil going to hell. Damned going to hell. Very religious. Because he's doing and doing and doing. I was reading, and I loved, I loved this history of Israel. And I always study the history of Israel. When they caught Adolf Eichmann down in Argentina, and they brought Adolf Eichmann back to put him on trial, they put him on trial, he was found guilty. Adolf Eichmann helped, he was one of the main guys that helped kill six million people, Jews. Six million. He was the main architect. He's the one that decided, because they, they didn't want to waste all the bullets on killing them, on the Jews. That costs money. So they said, well, you need to come up with a better idea. We can't waste all this ammunition on killing these people. You need to find out. So they found a way they could gas them. They found a way they could do different things, starve them to death and throw them into pits. Any way to save money. I mean, they were killing them by the millions. They had no way to get rid of them. He's the one that helped design all this. When they caught him, they put him on trial. He was found guilty. They went to hang him. They put a noose around him. This is his, this is his exact words. When they put a noose around this man who was guilty of killing six million people, this is what he said. I have lived believing in God, and I die believing in God. Very, very religious man. 
and going to hell like a bullet. We need to be careful that we're not walking in this world acting like priests. Living in the law, living with Jesus Christ, seeing other people's problems, seeing other people's problems, and then saying, you know, that's just their fault. They should have been, they should have been doing what they should, they're supposed to do. They should have never been that way. They shouldn't have been drinking. They should, whatever, they, whatever. We always have an excuse not to help somebody, don't we? I remember Brother uh, Dwight O. Moody was walking with his uh, song leader, Ira Stanky, and they were walking down, and uh, they, there was a drunk laying there in his own filth and his own vomit. He's laying there, and, and Stanky said to Moody, he said, what a shame. Isn't that disgraceful? And Dwight O. Moody stopped him and pointed at him, and he said, by the grace of God, there go I. But by the grace of God, there go I. Guys, it's only by God's grace we're not in the same shape they're in. We forget that God had to pull us up. We forget that we were once stripped and naked and half wounded and half dead, laying there needing something spiritually in Jesus Christ, and we receive Jesus Christ, and we're so happy, and we know we're on this journey to heaven, and we're so happy that we're living in Christ, and the Lord's blessed us. A lot of us are blessed because we live in Christ, and we forget that it, what it would be like if we didn't have Jesus Christ in our life. And we act like priests, we act like the law. And this religion of doing, it'll send you straight to hell. You know why he doesn't want to have anything to do with this guy? Because the religion of law is a religion of doing. And if you're laying there half naked, what can that guy do? Nothing. So why should I mess with him? He can't do nothing. He can't do nothing. Listen, when I go to... Uh, when I have an opportunity to go into the, like the Hayes unit, the Hughes unit in uh, Gatesville and get the, uh, get the witness to the prisoners and get in there with the prisoners, you don't have a lot of people wanting to do that. And I was blessed enough to get in there with Brother, uh, with, with Brother Henry to get to do that, but there's not a lot of people clamoring to do that. He invites, ton, he invites hundreds of people, and there might be eight of us show up. And the truth is, is when you get in there, you're looking at a guy. He can't tithe to you. He can't come to your church. He can't do nothing. He can absolutely, positively do nothing back for you. Nothing. All you can do is come in there and give him something, which is Jesus Christ. You can't give him anything else. We're not allowed to. Do you understand that that's where a lot of people are? They're there where they need somebody to come to them. But we got the attitude like, well, if I do something for them, then that'll make me look good in front of everybody, and then maybe they can do something back for me. And pastors get into that where they say, well, if I can bring them in, maybe they can start coming to church and my church can grow and everything. It ain't like that. It's not what it's about. It's not a, we're not in a religion of doing. We're in a religion of Jesus Christ. We're in a religion that's already been done. It's all about Him. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's preach about Jesus. Let's exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Let's forget about this, do this, you got to do this stuff. Let's start talking about Jesus Christ and let Him do it through us. Amen. Let Him do it through us. Verse 32, and, like, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the, at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So the Levi, he, does, he goes a step further. He sees him, and, he, and instead of seeing him and just walking by and getting on the other side of the road like the priest did, the, the Levite, he stops and he look, goes over there and he looks down at him. This is a religion of ceremony. This Levite, he represents a religion of ceremony, which a religion of ceremony is an outward appearance of helping. It has an outward appearance, it's ceremonious. And it has an outward appearance of helping, but it doesn't have the heart to help. 
doesn't have the heart to help. And I see this in a lot of religions, in the Catholic religion. I see this in the Catholic religion where you, that, that seems like it might be helping you. It seems like it's a good idea, but your prayers aren't going up much more above the, the ceiling of the room. They don't have a heart to them. There's no heart to it. It's repetitive. It's vain. It's, there, there's no heart to it. There's, they don't, they, you don't know what you're worshiping. This is Jesus Christ told the woman at the well. You don't know what you're worshiping. You got to worship God in spirit and in truth. And, and religion will take away all the spirit and the truth. And the religion will make it very ceremonious. You got to do things in a ceremonious way. And you got to you got to look a certain way. And you got to dress a certain way. You got to wear a certain tie. And you got to wear a certain suit. And you got to you got to pray at a certain place. You got to pray at a certain altar. God and Jesus Christ don't work that way. You can pray on a tractor. You can pray in your car. You can pray down to your knees. You can pray next to your bed. You can pray in your bathroom. You can pray at a bar. It don't matter where you're at. You can pray and God will listen to you. You know, it's not a religion of ceremony. Man, that, that religion of ceremony, it'll send you straight to hell because it'll fool you into thinking you're doing something for God. And that's what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants to fool you into thinking that you're really doing something for God, and you're not. You're just building your way. You're sending your way. You're sending yourself to a devil's hell. See, this uh, Levite, he was very curious. When he was at the place, verse 32, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. He's very curious. He wants to know your problems, but he's not there to help. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Do I know a lot of people like that? A lot of people like that. They're curious about your problems, but they're not there to help. <laughs> That's a religion of ceremony. Yes, it is. And anybody who's been alive for very long on this earth knows some people like that. Oh, they're so, they want to they help you out. They're so curious about your problems, but they don't really give you any help. They just want to find out what your problems are. I guess so they can call somebody or face some, Facebook somebody or do whatever people do. You got gossip, tell them, talk behind your back, or whatever. You know, have you heard about so-and-so? Oh, they're, it's horrible. Their son or his, 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 his daughter, she did this. Th oh, it's horrible. She's doing this. And she, they just want to talk about your family, you know, behind your back. and they, They're curious about your problems. That's a religion of ceremony. That's what this guy's, that's what this Levite's part of. He comes over and he looks down on him, but he passes by on the other side. He says he justifies himself by not helping him. He says it's probably just too dangerous to help. They're curious about your problems, but they say, well, there's really no way I can help you. Thank you for telling me your problems. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> I don't need your prayers. I need your help. Amen. I, there's times where prayers are prayers, but sometimes I need you to physically help me. I need you to financially help me. <laughs> James talks about that. He says if somebody comes knocking on your door and they need bread and you open up the door and say, I'll be praying for you, God bless you, and send them on the way without bread, how good have you been to them? There's a time where you need to pull out your wallet and give them some bread. Sometimes you need to get in your car and drive over there and help them clean up the house, wash the dishes, whatever the things they're needing to do while they're going through their storm in their life. Guys, we as Christians need to stop acting like Levites, stop acting like priests, stop acting like we're religious. We're not religious. We're Jesus Christ followers. And we need to start acting like we're Jesus Christ followers. And we should, we should give Him all the glory and say, if somebody likes what we're doing for Him, say, it's not me doing it, man. It's Jesus Christ in me. It's Jesus Christ working through me. You know, this religion of ceremony is so curious some of y'all know my, uh, my history and know some of my testimony, but when I was about 
14 years old. I had a real good friend, and we were close, to, we were close as brothers. And I was on the phone with him, and he was on the phone on the other side, on the other line of the phone. And he had a sawed-off shotgun of his brother's that was laying there on the counter. And he moved that sawed-off shotgun, and it went out and blew his blew his guts out just like that, and killed him while I was on the phone with him. It messed me up bad. And after a couple of weeks, when I finally went back to school, we had an art teacher. Me and him were in the same art class. And they had an art teacher at the school, and she hated us. She despised us. She, she wouldn't give us the time of day. She, she, she wouldn't have nothing to do with me at school. But when I came back, and she saw me in the hallway, I'll, I'll never forget it. She came running over there, and she came running over there, and she said, Oh, Kigan, oh, Kigan, what happened with Larry? Please tell me what happened with Larry. And I told her some stuff of what happened. She goes, Oh, that's, that's a shame, that's a shame. And then she, she left. The point was that she wasn't there to help me. She, just want, she was curious. She wanted to find out what had happened. She didn't like me. She didn't care for me. She didn't care for him. She just wanted the, whole, she wanted the scoop. That's, a, that's that religion of ceremony. That's that religion. Guys, I, at that time, as a young man, as, as a young teenager, I ended up dropping out of high school with that and a lot of other things going on in my life. I needed help. I didn't need, I didn't need curiosity seekers. I didn't need people driving by looking at my house on fire. I didn't need people driving by seeing that my car's wrecked and I'm laying out in the road bleeding and dying and half naked. I didn't need a Levite to walk by and say, well, man, that's, you're in bad shape. I need you to stop and help me. And she didn't want to stop and help me. And we don't need to act like a Levite. We don't need to act like a priest. And when we see somebody who needs some help, we need to stop and help them. And the guy tries to justify himself and says, well, you know, that's not my neighbor. It's a dangerous thing here. They've already been beat up and bleeding. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and go on my way. And the priest says, well, you know, they deserve what they got. See, they're justifying themselves. So they, think, so they feel like they'll be good before God. Hey, God, look how good I am. I love you with all my heart and all my soul. And God says, yeah, but what about the guy I wanted you to help? Look at him. As they walk the other way. And likewise the Levite when he was at the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. You know what? I got some good news for you this morning. There's a Samaritan on the way. There's a Samaritan in this story. Because <laughs> usually this story ends like this. The guy dies out in the road. Nobody helps him and that's life. You know, it's nothing, I don't, I'm not on Facebook or anything, but I've seen videos on the internet where guy, some guy get beat up in a subway on New York and the people are just walking by and they're stepping over this poor guy's been beat up and just walking on. The guy's laid there and they got it on a security camera. Have you seen those kind of videos? I can't believe that. That you would get to the point where somebody can literally get beat up in front of you, be laying there helpless and you're stepping over them. Life is that important to you? There's something, something going on in your life that you can't stop to help somebody? You're turning into a priest. You're turning into a Levite. And if I talk to them about Jesus, those same people that are stepping over somebody laying in the road and, and laying there in the subway, half dead, stripped, naked, beat up, those same people, if I was to talk to them about Jesus Christ, they'll say, I'm not that bad a person. I do what's right. I don't, I don't act like they do. I don't act like they do. I'm better than my neighbor. Look at what my neighbor did. 
they will try to justify themselves, but you're not going to be judged by what your neighbor did or what somebody else did. You're going to be judged by Jesus Christ and what he did. Man, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble. But praise the Lord, we got a Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You know what's amazing about this story? Jesus Christ said, uses a Samaritan. They hated the Samaritans. This lawyer was a Jew. A Samaritan was a half-Gentile and a half-Jew. They called him a half-breed. They called him dogs. He was a dirty dog. It's old dirty dog Samaritan. This no good Samaritan. This somebody you don't like. That's as far away from God as you can get in your mind. He shows up and this Samaritan, look what he does. He shows up and he came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Who's going to be a neighbor here? It's going to be the Samaritan, obviously. Amen. And it says that Samaritan was, he was on, he, as he journeyed. Now, if you were here last Sunday, I preached a sermon on journeying. As a Christian, we're on a journey. And here's the Samaritan, he's on a journey. And, he, and it says there that the, in verse 31, it says that the priest by chance passed by on the other side. Verse 31. And then the Levite, it said the Levite, he passed by on the other side. See, the law without grace, without mercy, just curiosity, all ceremony, it's going to pass you by. It's going to pass you by. But as a Christian, as Jesus Christ working, in, working on us and working through us, we're on a journey. And our journey, and our journey tells us when you're on that journey and you see somebody, you need to stop. There's nothing on your journey more important than to stop than to help somebody. That's what Christ told us. There's nothing in your journey that's important enough that you will leave somebody laying on the, on the side. You'll stop and help them. Amen, Brother Keegan. Amen, there's... Listen, there's nothing in your life that's more important to Christ than for you to stop and help somebody. He wants you to help somebody. That's what's important to him. And it says the Samaritan, as his journey came, where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And verse 34, it went to him. Jesus Christ, you can't help yourself in the present condition you're in. You're stripped, you're naked, you're half dead. Jesus Christ has got to come to you. And where he was and where he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he comes to you. Amen. And helps you. And the Lord doesn't have to. That's what always amazes me about Jesus Christ calling me to salvation. Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Why would God, why would Jesus Christ want me? I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about King. Why would, when the Lord started calling me through the Holy Spirit saying, you need to get saved, you need to get saved. And I could feel that urge in my heart like I know I needed to get saved. When I look back on it, you know, I'm not an important person. I'm not a good person. I, I, he's getting a bad deal. Why would the Lord? But he had compassion on me. See that? He came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. That's something the world doesn't understand. The world doesn't understand the word compassion. And as Christians, we should always have compassion. Come as you are, let the Lord clean you up. See, so many people, they say, well, I would come to Jesus Christ, I would get saved, but I, I'm, I'm doing this sin, I'm doing that sin, I'm doing this. You need to just not worry about that. Come just as you are. Jesus Christ, I always called everybody just as they are, come to Him, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let Him save you, and then let Him clean you up.
You can't clean yourself up. You're laying there half, you're laying there half, half naked, stripped, wounded. You've been left for dead. Why don't you let the Lord clean you up? You can't do nothing for yourself. But verse 34, what, is, what does the good Samaritan do? What does Jesus Christ do for us? And he went to him and bound up his wound, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. I look back in my life and I think of the people that helped me that had no reason to help me. Times I've been broke down on the side of the road and people stop. I have a flat tire or something and people stop and help me. And there's been times in my life where I, I, I was broke. I had nothing going for me. And somebody, some people come by and they'll just stop and help me. And they don't know how big a blessing it is to me. And I, you know, you never can pay them back, right? When I was... 14, my, my best friend got, got killed, got the shotgun, killed him. I, I dropped out of high school. I was at my mom's house. I was a high school dropout at my mom's house, no job, sitting there. Nobody cared for me. I didn't have a dad. There was nothing in my life. I was miserable. I was going to hell. I, I had nothing going for me. There was a guy named Joe, and he, was a, he, was a, he heard about me somewhere. And he said, there's this poor idiot kid, and he's living there with his mom, and he, does, he just dropped out. This guy named Joe, he come by my house, and he knocked on my door, and he said, hey, my name's Joe. I'm the youth minister over here at this church. He goes, would you want to go with me and go have a cup of coffee, have something to drink? And I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. And we went, and we talked, and he showed me some time, and he helped me out, and he got me pointed in the right direction, and later on I got saved. Where is Joe today? I have no idea. I bet Joe thinks back to that and he thinks that old kid, he's probably somewhere in jail right now. Right? That old high school dropout, he's somewhere in jail. He's, up, well, he's probably no good. You know, there's no telling with that guy. He probably doesn't have, he has no idea what he did for me. He has no idea when he stopped the good Samaritan deed he was doing for me. When he stopped and just asked this poor wretched teenager, hey, just come with me and have, have some Coke and we'll, we'll drink some coffee. Let's talk. He did just, he took just a little bit of his time and he changed the whole life. You see what he did for me? Listen to me, guys. You don't understand. He gave my son a better dad. He gave my son a better dad. That man stopped for just a couple of minutes and gave me the Jesus Christ and gave me the love of Christ. And now I'm a better dad for that. My son could have had a drunkard for a dad, a drug user, a wife beater. He could have had any kind of dad I would have been without Jesus Christ. But that guy changed the whole family. He made me a better husband for my wife. He made me a better preacher for you. He made me a better pastor. He made me a better friend. That guy changed the whole generation. Just taking a little bit of time and saying, hey, you want to come with me? Nobody else cared for me. Nobody else came knocking on my door, but he did. Amen. And he showed me a little bit of love of Jesus Christ. And what did he do? He changed the whole generation. Man, we'll never, we'll never know till we get to heaven what we're doing in people's lives, just the little things we do. We get this sister, she works in young life and does things and reaches out for the kids and reaches out for young teenagers. Sister, you're never, ever going to know until we get to the other side of heaven what you've done for some of them kids. Just the little word you said that changed their life. The word they would turn and not do some wicked thing they were going to do and start turning, live a little bit for the Lord. 
You're covering, the Bible says, love, love covers a multitude of sin. That, that young, that, that man and Joe was about six foot three and had muscles about this big, big old bodybuilder. And when Joe came knocking on my door, that little bit of love he showed me covered a multitude of sin. Man, praise the Lord for him. And I've thought about trying to reach out and find him. I don't know where he's at, but I know the Lord does, and I ask the Lord to bless him for that. And I thank the Lord that when he went to him, the Samaritan, and he bound up his wound, when Jesus Christ comes by your way and he finds you, he's going to bind up your wounds. Amen. Yes, he will. He's going to bind up all your wounds. Yeah, amen, sister. Uh, brother, he's going, to bind up, he's going to bind up your wounds. He's going to pour in the oil. He's going to pour in the oil. That's giving you the Holy Spirit. It says he's going to pour in the oil and the wine. Wine in the Bible is a type of blood, a type of the blood of Jesus Christ. He's going to pour in the oil. He's going to pour in the Holy Spirit. And he's going to cover you with his precious blood. Mm-mm-mm. And set him on his own beast. He's going to provide the means. See, you say, well, if I could only get to an end, if I could only get somewhere to kill me, he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to heal you, I'm going to bind up all these wounds, I'm going to put some oil in there, and I'm going to pick you up, and I've got the means, and I'm going to put you on my animal. You don't have an animal. I'm going to provide the means. Jesus Christ provides the way. It's all Jesus Christ doing it. He's providing the means, and he set him on his own beast, and he brought him to an end. Jesus Christ provides the way. And not only provides you the means, he provides you the way on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. And of course, Jesus Christ is going to take care of you. Amen. The most wonderful thing about being a Christian because we have all these storms coming into our lives is that we know that we're supposed to cast all our cares on him for he careth for you. Jesus Christ cares for the troubles you're going through. Jesus Christ cares for the things you're dealing with. Jesus Christ cares. He has compassion. He's a good Samaritan. Verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. This is the good Samaritan. When he went to the end, he put the, man, he put the man, he put us, he put the man in the end, and he took out two pence and he gave them to the host. Now that host is a great type of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our host. He hosts us. And said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Oh. <laughs> the most important thing Jesus does is he gives you eternal life. You've got to understand what that's saying there. What that's saying there in verse 35, take care of him, and whatsoever things spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. He not only gives you life, he gives you eternal life. Amen. He's not just giving you salvation, he's giving you eternal salvation. He's not just saving you today, he's saving you for tomorrow. He's not just picking you off the street today, he's picking you off the street forever. He's not just giving you a place to go into heaven today. It's for tomorrow and forever. And you see, you got to understand, he says, Take care of him whatsoever thou spendest more. When I come again, I will repay thee. It's not just that Jesus Christ paid it all, and he did. He didn't just pay it all, he keeps paying it. He didn't just die for all my sins before I was a Christian. He dies for all my sins before I was a Christian. As I'm walking as a Christian, and at the end of my Christian life, he's paying for all my sins. All my sins are under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
He didn't just pay for me for a little while. He paid for it all. And he says, hey, when I come back, when I come again, I will repay thee. It's on my account. He belongs to me. It's my job to take care of him, and that's what I'm going to do. Guys, as Christians, people we see in their lives, we see them on the side of the road, we see them half naked, we see them needing some, we need to take responsibility and take care of these people and not just leave them and never come back. We need to come back and check on them. We need to be better about checking on people. We need to be better about going the extra mile. And I know y'all have a heart that way because we've talked about people in this church that maybe their house burned down and we want to help them out and we want to give them some money. And I've heard some of y'all speak up and said, you know what? We don't need to just give them money now. We need to give them money six months from now. After everybody's left, after all the money's gone up, all the money's dried up, and they're needing some help, we need to go back. We need to be like the Good Samaritan. Listen, take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. I thank the Lord for that. See, that's something religion can't do. Religion can't do that. Religion can't. Religion will try to, you do this and you do that, but you just don't know if you're doing enough. Religion can't do that, but Jesus Christ can. He's the only one who can do that. You need to stop trying to save yourself. And you, need to, you need to let Jesus Christ save you. Verse 36 in closing, which now of these three, Jesus asked him a question. Which now of these three, thankest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, uh, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. You're not going to get nothing by Jesus Christ. You think you're going to go by Jesus Christ and try to fool your way into heaven and talk your way into heaven and be real cute and be cutesy and ask Jesus Christ some hard questions. And I've had people tell me that, some atheists and talk to Well, if I ever meet God, i got some hard questions to ask him. <laughs> well, I guess he's going to have some questions for you too. And I think they're going to be just a little bit harder. You never caught Jesus Christ. You don't catch him in his words. He catches you. And I, I, my, my advice to people who are dealing with somebody, if you have somebody who's giving you a hard time, do what Jesus Christ did. When they ask you a question, ask them a question. I'll tell you when you tell me this. That's how you do it. That's how Jesus did it. He did it. He, man, when somebody asks you a question, you ask them a question. Give it back to them, man. Which of these three? Is a, is, is a neighbor to you. Which of these three was a neighbor? Was it the, was it the Levite? Was it the priest? Was it the Samaritan? Well, obviously, it was the Samaritan. Which of these three do you want to save you? If you're out here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're that man laying on the road. You might not realize it. Maybe you're, maybe you're man or woman enough to admit it, but you're stripped spiritually. You're, you're wounded spiritually. You've been left at the side of the road. And listen to me, you're half dead. You're half dead. You're spiritually dead. Amen. Which of those three do you want coming by? To, which of those three do you want saving? Do you want the priest that want, to come, want him to come by and save you and give you some laws and some things you need to do? Do you want the Levite to come by and be curious and say, okay, there's some ceremonial things we need to do. When you need to start coming to church, you need to get baptized. There's some things you need to start saying these things and doing these things and tithing to the church. Do you want him to come by and tell you how to get saved? Or do you want the Samaritan to come by and say, you need it and I'm going to save you. And pick you up and bind you up and heal you, and not only do all of that, 
But when he gets you all set up, says, now it's my job to take care of you. You can't take care of yourself. When I come back, I'll pay it all. <sighs> what a wonderful thing we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's real simple. You just need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself said, He that believeth on me is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So you're either walking around this morning in this church, you're either going to stand up in a minute, you're either going to stand up as, as, as an uncondemned, saved believer in Jesus Christ. Uncondemned. All my sins have been paid for. All the blood is covering me. Or you're going to stand up as a condemned, condemned, already condemned sinner going to hell. It's real simple. You're going to stand up as one or two. Now, if you stand up this morning when we give the invitation, and you're a condemned sinner and you think you're going to hell, come on down here and ask Jesus Christ to save you and he'll save you. So you think that works, Brother Keegan? I know it works because that's what I did. I mean, I've never been the same. It's the best decision I ever made. And I know one thing, no matter what I do in this life, Jesus Christ is going to pay it for me. And I've got a good heaven waiting on me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for your, your words, Father. And Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will move among us, Father. And Lord, to the best of my ability to try to get your word out there, Father, forgive me, Lord, where I failed you. Lord, forgive me, Lord, for not giving good enough illustrations, Lord. But, Father, I just, I'm just i so passionate about your love, Father, and your grace and your mercy, Lord. And Father, I don't want to see anybody living in the sin of religion, living in the, the death of religion, Father God. I just want them to know the truth of Jesus Christ and how you can save them, Lord, and you've done it all for them. They, don't have, they can stop doing what they're doing, and they can come to you and put all their trust in you. And, Father, I thank you for that because I couldn't do it. And Father, I thank you for these men and women that came in here this morning, Lord God, that come to hear your word. Lord, I ask a special blessing on everybody underneath the sound of my voice. And if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, will get this invitation, they'll come on down and they'll get saved. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. 
It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.